All right, you ready for the the thing? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. What the fuck audition? <laughs> Is that? What? No, it's it's fine. I can work with it, but okay. My editing software, my recording software, it just kind of stopped recording at two, and then there's a little bit of a dead air right there, so the timing's not perfect, and it's like Jesus, fuck Christ! I've used you for so long. How are you? Do to do another still one? Still this buggy? I could. You, I could. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm just mad. So maybe one day, maybe one day we'll be able to get to back together and record. Uh, six weeks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm so done. My only moment of peace this week came when I put my books together. Your books. Because um, we tried to put bookshelves on our walls and unfortunately it was too heavy and we didn't use the right uh, anchor. Mm hmm. So it was not great. And I'm like, son of a bitch, can I actually have to like buy a bookshelf? But then my sister was actually getting rid of one. So uh, <laughs> we put it into my vehicle, which is a decent sized SUV, right? You'd say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you could, I've seen you pack a lot of two by fours in there just willy nilly. <laughs> <laughs> That's another yeah. story. Uh, but uh, this bookshelf is about, I'd say, about as tall as you, a little taller. And it just didn't fit. Oh, like, just to I say. Put it, I, was, I put it in, and I tried to close the hatch, but it wouldn't close all the way. So I had to use some uh, jumper cables to tie it on, because I don't have bungee cords in my car for some reason. And I tied it uh, from the windshield, the back windshield wiper to the... Um, what do you always hit your shin off of? In the, it's in the bottom, of behind the vehicle. Oh, um, the, the tailgate? Like, or the... Tail, trailer hitch Whoops. yeah the hitch thank you uh, oh i just i accidentally phone i just screwed everything up it's fine it's fine anyway so i had to use extension cables to tie it up and luckily i don't live far so it wasn't i was very concerned about what the police were going to see but anyway i got it in i got it upstairs and i was able to take all my books out of their boxes and actually put them on the shelves and i'm missing a couple oh no like for comics uh, yeah, like in series that I've collected. I'm missing one of the injustices and I'm missing a fables. Weird. Yeah, and it's one of, it's my it's the year 3 where it's magic. I'm missing uh this I'm missing part 2 of that and I'm missing deluxe volume 7 of fables. And I don't know where the hell they could have gone. No, because I was like I've read both of those and I'm I've given them both back cuz that would have been years ago. I'm trying to think, yeah. Yeah, because I would have given you year four and year five and then Injustice so, 2. At some point, you would have given those question, back. Question, did you dump a lot of books in between moves? Yeah. Shit. So it's it's just, you know what? Out of all the shit I have, oh, and I'm also missing uh, Hellboy Short Stories Volume 1. I'm wondering because, you know, like in those moves, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, right, this was on my nightstand because I was rereading it and you just toss it into a random bin. I'm wondering if it's like a random toss. Like, have you guys 100% emptied everything since the move? Yes. We actually completed our boxes like uh, last month because we had a couple in the shed and oh, that was God. buried in the snow. I'm sure you're going to find it in the like the weirdest damn place. I'm going to find it as soon as I replace it. As soon as I buy a new copy, I'm going to find it. That's always what happens. Or like, 
you'll find it like in your thing of like i don't know toilet trees that you had like shoved a whole bunch of toilet paper in while you were hoarding you're like i don't know i might need this for wiping and you just like shoved it in the box and then you're gonna like find it a year from now um when we're in a dystopic wasteland and we have to burn stuff now and you're like all oh, right memories and then you're gonna toss it into the trash fire yeah but some good side of this i now have a bookshelf with a lot of space so i can start buying new shit again that's a very satisfying feeling um i remember um to go on my nerdy like a nerdy rant for a second i bought like the bookshelf for my some of my star wars figures when we moved into the new place here and <laughs> when i bought it and i was like oh man this only takes up like the first two bottom rows it's like i can buy so much now i have room <laughs> And then it's a slippery slope from that because then you continue buying and buying and buying, and now I'm stuck without room again. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's that's when you got to do your purge. At at some point, you just got to go through like, what have I only read once, or what haven't I read in the last couple of years? I see. That's the thing. Like, I think when I have more like an actual house, like you do, like we're not um, in an apartment. You know, when we're able to, the housing market kind of quiets down. We're able to find something like it'll all fit. Like I have a decent amount, but I've just like I've kept it to such a tiny spaces in the past um, that now that I had the opportunity to kind of actually put it out proper, um, I'm like, I just want more space and more, but yeah, then it just turns into a, to, into a slippery slope of a whole basement full of Star Wars and comics. I, so wait, before we got into lockdown, I, part three, um, my money, yeah, my money was going to go towards like outdoorsy stuff. Like we want to have people over. So I'm just going to buy a fire pit was the next thing. But now that we're kind of stuck till June, I'm uh, going to hold off on that. And I think my budget is just good. My free budget, my free money is just going to go towards a couple books that have been on my radar that I really want in my collection. One of which is the Invincible Compendiums. Ooh, that is a good choice. I will have to borrow those. I have not watched the show yet. Um, it's on my list. I will tell you right now, it's actually, it is very much inspired by the comics, but it goes in a much better route. Because okay. Kirkman actually said that, you know, it's a 15-year series. Like, Invincible ran for a long time. And of course, when you're telling a story for that stretch of time, you're going to have some pacing issues. And then there's some story beats that you're like, eh, perhaps that didn't age well. So what he did with the show is actually take an opportunity to enhance some character arcs, give more moments a slow burn. He, it, the show is different enough from the book, but I find it very enriching that I know the characters and I know the story and I get to see it taken in a better light. So whenever you buy those, I will have to borrow them and promptly give them back to you. Uh, because, yeah, I haven't read past, like, maybe volume one. And that was, like, when I started reading The Walking Dead. And I was, became obsessed with Robert, like, Kirkman. I was like, oh, I got to read everything that he's done. So I, I like, we have, I, had, I bought fucking Battle Pope, for Christ's <laughs> sake. And that is a dumb two volumes of a, of a comic book. But, like, yeah, I only read the first volume because uh, at the time I couldn't get the other ones in without paying a ridiculous amount because that's when everyone started riding the bandwagon when the ship first season of Walking Dead came out. Um, and I, I remember liking it. I don't remember what happens, but I just remember liking it. And it's, it's one that I've wanted to now read the entire series. So if given the chance... We'll do like a COVID distance where you can toss me the compendium. <laughs> I'll catch it. 
I'll read it and then I'll wipe it down and then I'll like toss it back. I was going to say carrier pigeon, but it'll have to be kind of like a carrier hawk because it's a big book. I was just about to say more of a carrier hawk would be more appropriate. Just have your army just like, huzzah, carry it. <laughs> and then, you know, it drop it immediately because it's a predator and hunt something else. Yeah. And potentially, potentially kill a man. So yeah, that's, that's next on my list. And I think we'll do like a full review of Invincible uh, when it's done because they've they're again like i said they're taking their time and it's already i'm getting flashbacks of when i first read the series and how much i enjoyed the characters that he introduced and the creative approach he took with each of their kind of uh characteristics like uh robot man is by far to me the most interesting character uh at least interesting side character of the whole thing just because of where he goes so um uh, yeah but the highlight for the show for me is not just the animation, it's the damn soundtrack. This show's soundtrack, I think, is right up your alley. It's like a bunch of uh, hip-hop beats Ooh. and some rap and some... It's Ooh, okay. It fits the tone very well, but doesn't distract from the story. In fact, at some points, it actually enhances it. But it's it doesn't take itself too seriously either. Like It's fun kind of rap and hip-hop that I, I think it's... Animation, voice cast, and the soundtrack are the highlights of the show for me. Yeah, and I like I'm just excited for the most part because it can, like it has Stephen Yun um, playing the titular character who played Glenn in like the Walking Dead series for a bit. You know, he was in one of my favorite movies probably of all time, even though like I've only watched it twice. But Burning, um, that movie is incredible. Slow burn, and like he's also like an Oscar contender this year for Minari. Um, yeah, like, I'm so super happy he's getting the roles that he deserves. I remember, like, watching him in The Walking Dead's first season. And I'm like, man, I hope you become a star because you are just an incredible actor. He's doing well. I know it's going to sound very inappropriate and probably not the approach he wants, but he kind of reminds me of, um, crap, his name escapes me, uh, Harold from Harold and Kumar. Kyle Penn? Ka- no, the other one. Oh, um, Cho, um, is it Justin Cho? No, I mean, I'm going to look at Harold and Cooper. All right, you look them up. Uh, I know it's like a, they're both Asian, so it's kind of a tricky comparison, but uh, they remind me a lot of each other because they're focusing on correct Asian representation. John Cho. John Cho. Like, they're focused on not being like, um, you know how every... Arab and Muslim has to be a taxi driver. They're trying to avoid stereotypes by being in movies that either correctly represent their culture or go beyond it. Like with um, Yen, Walking Dead, Glenn is, he looks Asian, but he's a stereotypical character. And then you got John Cho, who uh, went and did Searching, which was one of my favorite movies of like the past little while of how, like the mystery throughout social media. Yeah, and how he went, like, you know, past that Harold and Kumar bit of, like, that stereotype, which, don't get me wrong, he did some of that stereotypical stuff. Um, but, yeah, he, he moved beyond that as an actor. You know, it's, it's just both of them, actually, Cal Penn as well. Um, very capable. And, yeah, that's I'm more excited because, again, like you're saying, getting that representation and stuff like that. Um, a show that I highly recommend for you, also because it stars um, the actor who's going to be playing Shane Chi, um, oh, yeah. is um, Kim's Convenience. I've heard I've heard uh, good things, but it's it's uh, a little bit back on my radar because we're my partner and I are still going through 
the MCU, and we just discovered New Amsterdam on Netflix. Mm. So that'll have to, Kim's Convenience will be taking a bit of a backseat because we already started a story. We got to finish it. For sure. Like it is on Netflix. Um, like the final season actually just wrapped up, unfortunately, like only a couple of days ago to like, it had like a very unceremonious cancellation. Like this wasn't supposed to be the final season. And then the show winners were like, yeah, we're done. And it kind of took a lot of the actors back by surprise because, like, the the actor who plays the son, who's going to be in Shang Chi, he was barely in this because you know he's filming a Marvel movie this season, and then you know he's like, "Yeah, you're not coming back." And there's a bit of disappointment behind that stuff. Um, but I, in terms of representation, in terms of, of character development, um, and especially more importantly, also it's a Canadian show. It was like filmed in Toronto and everything like that. It's it's very good and also very funny. Fair enough. I will add it to my list. Uh, but I, I mentioned it briefly. New Amsterdam, not funny. Yeah, I've I've seen like the bits of that. What is that? I I call it uh, the Savior's Complex that House tried to be. So House is like Sherlock Holmes story. It mostly mostly focused on Hugh Laurie's character and how he's like, oh, I want to solve the mysteries and I have an addiction and like everything I do burns to the ground and I like jazz, you know. <laughs> but New Amsterdam is um, this hospital is failing. Patients are dying. They're paying too much for simple procedures. So then this guy comes in, and he's the new head of the hospital, and he just says, all right, all of you who overcharge, you're fired. No interview, no questions asked. You're out of here. We don't need you. We need doctors who care about their patients. And it's it's just a matter of taking the uh, medical system in America and putting it into what it could be, what it could be in their system. Like they're not saying free health care. They're saying like this is what the hospital situation should be for people that are coming in to get help. Now, I'm not selling it well, but I promise you the actual telling of this is pretty good because the characters sell it do you remember tucker and dale versus evil mm-hmm. so not alan tuddick <laughs> i think it's i think oh that yeah was the dale he plays a child psychiatrist in this show and as i've only seen two episodes right now i hope he wins awards he is he does this lovable teddy bear shtick so well and hits the emotional beats of this series and the storytelling that I hope he gets rewarded for it. And our lead, who's the new head of the hospital, you'll know him as the Nazi from Black Klansman. Uh, he does a great job of being like this savior with a clock. Like he's on a deadline to fix this hospital. And hmm. I, I honestly recommend the first episode. This is one of those few shows where the pilot is just as good as the rest of the series. That if you don't like the first episode, you're not going to like the show. Interesting. Yeah, and I I do like that actor because he was in like another show which I actually did finish. I think it was like on Amazon or something like that. Like the guy from Tucker and Dale that you're talking about, he was in like a comedy drama that I don't remember the name of for the life of me right now. I got I think it was like an Amazon show or like a Hulu show or something like that. Um, I remember watching it in university. Like the first few episodes, I was like, wow, you got some chops because it was like right after I'd watched Tucker and Dale. Um, I'll try to think of it, but yeah. Um, I've always interested like in shows like that, um, that it's like, man, I hate to be an asshole about it, but it's like only in America when a show like that happens, like, oh man, like your healthcare system is bombing because you're paying, like you're forcing people to pay way too much for their healthcare. Weird. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the idea of like good girls too. Like that's the show that we've been watching about, you know, um, 
Christina Hendricks, uh, Rita, and um, the actress from Scott Pilgrim, who I'm blanking on her name, they decide to rob banks because, you know, America uh, can't get by on, you know, you can't get by the minimum wage um, job there and, you know, you have health care for you, you have to afford for your daughter. And it's like, if they took that and they moved it to literally anywhere else where to get political here was be quote unquote a socialist state it just wouldn't happen like it's one of my favorite memes is have you seen the breaking bad meme i was just about to bring up breaking bad like the yeah because that show would not exist in any other country i think it's one of my favorite bits is someone redid the beginning when he um um like in episode one where brian cranston goes to see the doctor and he's like uh you have cancer like and he tells him like that whole reveal and it kind of goes like white like that white noise so someone just kind of re-edited that bit where it's like uh you have cancer and brian cancer was like oh my god and he's just like yeah so um you start chemo in two weeks um we just need your ohip card and then it just shows the end credits created by like vince gillian and it's like it's the perfect bit and i'm like yes yeah okay (laughs) thank you yeah new amsterdam suffers kind of from the same thing but again the characters in the story the savior complex it you know right it, it uh it's like how you enjoy kim's convenience for its canadian ship you enjoy new amsterdam for its american ship yeah and that's exactly like don't get me wrong both series are very well done is christina hendricks may whitman um and rita uh are, are like it's an incredible show and but like when you when you break it down to that most bare bones like shit it's like this is a very much an interesting attack on that but anyhow also a good recommended show also, because it has Matthew Lillard in it, one final thing about Good Girls, it has Matthew Lillard in it, and I don't know. I'm the show made me realize that I, I like not unironically, but like I actually love Matthew Lillard as an actor. You know, from his range and like screamed like Hackers and Scooby Doo. You know, playing Shaggy and him playing this dope of a husband who made some big mistakes. I'm like, man, he does not get enough credit as a as an actor. He is one of the greatest character actors of our generation. The man is so versatile and he commands. Like th- that's pretty hard to find in a character actor, somebody who will if needs be will support the actors around him because he's not the focus, but if he is the focus is able to drag your attention to him. It's very he's so good. Uh, so what happens is Matthew Lillard plays the husband of Christina Hendricks's character in Good Girls. And he's a dope of a husband who tries to do some amazing and incredible things and really tries to support the family. But again, he's he's made some he's made some mistakes. Um, But it's really interesting to see Matthew Lillard playing like a husband and father character after, you know, everyone knows him as Shaggy, not only in the James Gunn movies, but also um, in the animated movies and stuff like that. He just he's playing like a straight laced, so to speak, person. and I hate to make the equivalent, but he essentially is playing um, Skyler in Breaking Bad uh, to a degree in this show. And uh, he does it well. And not only a great actor, but like a decent human being. I don't know if you saw the video on uh, it Travels Around a couple times, but he's at a convention and this kid is very like nervous to see him. So he takes a photo of Shaggy from the Scooby-Doo movies and does the voice to help calm her down. It's the most wholesome shit. Yeah. And like, he's really embraced that part, you know, where some actors get really tired of playing like a role. Like, you know, he is, I mean, as an actor, he is, he might be an actor who's 
who's played that same character the longest like you get what i'm saying well maybe like aside from like the actor like dan castelletto like the voice actors from the simpsons like he might be one of the longest standing like actors in hollywood to play the same character over a long period of time i'd argue the guy from murdoch mysteries been doing it for a while okay yeah wow how long has murdoch mysteries and i guess yeah always sunny and stuff like that i retract my statement (laughs) (laughs) never mind ignore me there's a lot but he 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 did a gr- he did such a good job that a lot of people are replicating it like he has created his own version of the character right. that is a little bit more over the top than usual right that and it's it's the one issue why I won't give the movie Scoob the time of the day like I refuse to watch that movie because uh apparently they didn't even bother to reach out to Matthew Leathered they just got um uh Will Forte to do the voice well, yeah, that was to sell tickets, which I guess if you look at it from a business stance. What kid knows fucking Will Forte. Get the it's not for the kids. Here. Scooby-Doo's been around for so long that there are some adults that still. It's why comic books are geared towards adults as well. It's because they were, you were a kid when it was popular. Yeah, okay. Scooby-Doo is not as popular now as it was back in the late 90s, early 1000s. It, it, yeah, I guess it's just because it's a weird choice because Hanna-Barbera has been like, yep, you're going to be shaggy in everything. And then all of a sudden they come up with this new movie where they're like created this Hanna-Barbera universe. I, that's all I know about that movie. And I'm like, mm, that seems like a, a, a dumb choice. It was. It caused unnecessary backlash that could have easily been fixed. But they tried to be despicable me, and it and it failed. Yeah. What? what? But you want to talk about movies that uh, are doing everything correct when it comes to satisfying their audience? Fast Nine is looking to be just as fucking bonkers, if not more so, than ones previous. And the just because that movie was supposed to come out like an over a year ago now, they're just revealing enough now of what's going on to have me because like i haven't thought about that movie in a little bit um whereas in like in those months leading up to it that it that was in my mind space on like a weekly basis of believing like oh man i cannot wait to get drunk and watch fast nine with you um and the the final part of the fast trilogy because it's going to be like nine ten and eleven or something like that um and then that the series is done allegedly um yeah, and the latest trailer that they revealed. Um, oh boy, we uh... so we've so we go. They had their big hook for trailer one. Trailer one big hook was John Cena is related to Vin Diesel. All right, sure. At this point, I don't care. I just want to see what you're going to do next. And then this trailer reveals that Han is back. And their big twist: how they're going to make this one even grander than the last. Is magnets. Yep. And um, more importantly. And flying cars. They are one step closer to space, baby. Um, like, we joked, we like, in this show, we've often joked about the, that series going to space. And, like, the ending sequence of, like, um, I can't remember the, the two characters who were in the flying vehicle or whatever it was. But. Oh, uh, Ludacris and um, Ty. Yeah. Big forehead. In any case, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they like them flying like and like in their spacesuits and going off. I'm like, oh man, they are uh, mighty close to this, and especially because now that they've acknowledged like this is the ending of the trilogy, it's like it's this one, and then there's two more afterwards. I'm like, that they could. 
unironically, well, actually, no, probably ironically, go to space in the next movie. Like, Fast 10 could be in space. Did you hear that the the, the rumor or what Michelle Rodriguez said to uh, tease the audience? No. Since they're owned by the same company and producers have worked on both of the franchises, Michelle Rodriguez said, you know, it's entirely possible that Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious could do a movie together. And I'm like, okay, that's an actor saying it. There's no weight behind it, but could you imagine? Uh, oh, my God. Like, I, I was like, when you said that, I was like, that's dumb. But I'm like, let's not get carried away. Jurassic World and uh, Jurassic World, the, the, the second one was also equally as dumb um could you imagine yeah it's kind of the same thing with like the shared universe and then you just have like chris pratt driving on a motorcycle with blue and them buddy up and they and they have to do like the buddy like vin diesel is like i never trust a raptor and like vin diesel and the raptor have to do that sweet arm high five you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger and everything that doesn't predator he has to do that with a little velociraptor arm oh um, oh no! I I see it right now. Vin Diesel is hurt. He is collapsed on the ground. His leg is stuck. A raptor comes in to move the stone and then lowers himself and nudges him to say, "Get on!" And then Vin Diesel rides a raptor. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Um. Wonder what and like like have uh just instead of cars they're like this time it's like because they're gonna go futuristic for for ten. And then for eleven, it's like we went to the like the past, the present, the future. This time, we're gonna have to go prehistoric. And then it's just them riding fucking dinosaurs, and just everyone loses their minds. And there's I don't know some sweet like guitar riff, like a remix of the Jurassic Park song with like ludicrous rapping over top of it. Um, and there's the movie. Um, I don't know what we would call it. Um, Fast and Ferocious. Ooh, it has to have something Jurassic in it though. Hmm. Jurassically fast. Okay. Oh, oh, that's yeah. Drastically fast is is pretty good. Oh no, fast eleven. Jurassic saga, and it's just this perfect end cap to like the Jurassic world and everything like like that whole bit with Chris Pratt. Like this was like part of the original vision. Is literally they wanted the like all the fast movies were building up to this point. Um, the yeah, sign me up for that big dumb movie. <laughs> Oh, I guess they could just say Fast and Furious presents and then make their own pun. <laughs> That's a very good thing. So now because you got me on this tangent, what are the equivalent dinosaurs for each respective actor in the Fast franchise? So like Vin Diesel. I said Raptor, but I think Vin Diesel has to be Tyrannosaurus Rex. See, I, I disagree. I think Vin Diesel, just let alone because of his bald head, is, you know, in Jurassic Park 2, that one, like that hammerhead um dinosaur that smashes into things mainly also because like in that Jurassic in lost world of Jurassic park it smashes into the car and it just constantly reminds me now of the streets always win i think there's the equivalent there where like at one point to respect the dinosaur they'd have to head like butt heads and they just like go off of each other and it would just like cause us like cosmic explosion or whatever and he's like i hate you but goddamn do i respect you and then you know they become buddies i think that's the dinosaur because they're both too hard-headed to acknowledge they'd lose okay raptor I, I think we go with, like, his wife or his uh, kid's mother. I don't know if they're actually married or not. I mean, she's kind of, like, the easy one. I think just like a brontosaurus or one of them herbivore motherfuckers. Fair. Um, 
Ludacris, I feel, would be... Um, Oh, actually, I don't know what Ludacris would be because he's he's been there. He's been such a constant that I want to say like a pterodactyl. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. He'd be the one to fly. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of, um, oh, my God. Now I'm blanking on his name and I feel bad. The other black guy in fast. Tyrese, Tyrese. Gibson. I also had to look See, it up. T- Tyrese Gibson. It, that, that's an easy one for me. Triceratops because he hides behind the thing. He hides behind that little shield that the Triceratops has and he's screaming the entire time. Fair. Okay. Um, I'm thinking that Michelle Rodriguez, because she's unsuspecting at first, like, you know, she could play that level part. She'd be that raptor that like, or not the raptor, like the thing that spits venom, uh, you know, like in Nedry's face in the first movie, because she's sweet and stuff like that until you get rid up in her face and then she kicks the shit out of you. I think she would be that. Uh, what's that one with the stupid, like, shark fin at the top of its head? There's like the Spinosaurus, are you talking about? No, sorry, no. Uh, I changed my mind. I'm gonna go uh, Stegosaurus for Natalie Emmanuel. Ooh, yeah. Ludacris's love interest from the most recent ones. That's a good one. Um, the Rock. The Rock has to be a T Rex, right? Like, yeah. When yeah, if he's coming back, I don't know if they will because they got their own Hobbs and Shaw thing going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I th- oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think if he was coming back, but like, I think it would be like the irony of like the T Rex because he's like a bold, confident thing. But he's like very like jealous of the Rock's arms, and then he also like the Rock just helps train him and work him out. So then the ending fight scene is like they're like you're not gonna be able to be taken down by this motherfucker T Rex. Look at his little arm reach, and then they show he's like nah, but he's been working out with the Rock, and they just show this jacked T Rex with these giant arms and just is able to like punch the shit out of things. I think that'd be funny as hell. And he just then they also do like this sweet flex. Um, you know, give me the give me that. And then if we're doing The Rock, then we got to do Jason Statham, and he has the raptor. Yeah, I was about to say, because in terms of, like, he's very sly and smooth and confident in that sense, and sneaky, yeah, he's definitely the raptor. Um, that was dumb. Wow. That was, <laughs> I, I, honestly, that was far, that being said, it was far easier to pick those than I anticipated. <laughs> like, way easier. Fair. Yeah, it really, it really just blended together, didn't it? Yeah, so I know what. Um, give me that movie. All right. Uh, I don't think you and I watched anything this week that uh, we could kind um, of talk about. So I, I did. I watched Nomadland. I didn't. Um, How is it? It's good. It's a very slow, methodical, purposeful movie uh, that's looking at... Uh, Looking at contemporary America and it, no yeah, but looking at contemporary America and wanting to escape from con- consumerism while still kind of being obliged by it. Um, I don't want to say too much. Uh, I think it's worth a watch, if nothing else, because of Francis um, Francis McDormand. Is that the actress? Yep. Yeah, Francis um, McDormand. Yeah, because of you know she's known for Fargo, three billboards outside Evan, Missouri. It's a very good character study. Um, and yeah, it's on Disney Plus, like their stars thing. Um, and it, since it's been nominated for like an Oscar for best picture, best uh, best actor, etc., I think it's I think it's worth I think it's well worth a watch. But again, it's 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 a watch within modern contextual society. Fair enough. Uh, so we should probably at least watch a couple more of the best pictures then, because the actual Oscars are next Sunday. So we should next. Oh episode, my God! Probably. Is it really? Yeah, next episode we should probably talk it about at least seventy five percent of them. And I know we've seen trial, we've seen uh black um fuck shit. The hell's it called? 
uh, about Fred Hampton. Oh my God, Judas, um, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh my, I completely forgot but the I can't Oscars. What else was nominated next week? Yeah, so we got to talk about uh, what other. There we go. Best picture. Sound of Metal is one I really want to see. Okay, so actually that was like the whole thing of why I ended up watching um, Nomadland last night is because the Sound of Metal was supposed to be out on Prime, but it's only on American Prime because Canada, we have like they didn't get the licensing rights to it because it's owned under something different here in Canada because it's been on. You got to get yourself a VPN, bud. You can watch from anywhere. I know. It's worth it. Yeah, because but that's one I like actually we may find tonight because we ended up just watching like Prometheus. (laughs) Oh, God, why? Prometheus? How, when was the last time you watched that movie? Probably a month, uh, like a month after it came out on Blu-ray. That Going back to that movie, I kind of appreciated it a lot more because the same thing, I watched it when it first came out. I couldn't stand how stupid they fucking were. Like, these are apparently Earth's smartest scientists that make every dumb decision for the plot to move okay. forward. Um, they're not the, the smartest scientists. I think it's the idea of them just trying to find God. Um, so they're not, they're smart, but also you're in alien territory, but yeah, they do make some dumb decisions in that movie. Um, but I don't know. I think I, I appreciate it a lot more now in terms of what they're trying to do with like evolution and stuff like that. Um, it's, it, it's just more of an interesting watch now for me. All right. So when it comes, I'm looking at the best picture nominees right now. I'm going to tell you right now, not watching Mank. I could not give a fuck about fuck, No. No, uh, I think that movie is yeah is gonna be like an old pretentious one. Like that's a thing. Stephen Yun for Minari, I do want to watch. Well, that was nominated uh, for a... Best Picture. Yeah, um, Riz Ahmed. Yeah, for Sound of Metal. Oh, sorry. I'm. Oh, wait. Why is this showing actors first? Yeah, hold Here. on. I'll go through it for you. So we got Sound of Metal, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Nomadland. I'm very excited for Promising Young Women, and also, I'm going to be honest, might skip The Father, because that's about a guy going through Alzheimer's and refusing to yeah. seek help, and I don't think I can emotionally handle that. No, um, so like of these, I've watched Judas and the Black Messiah, I've watched Nomadland, I've watched Promising Young Woman, highly recommend, um, and I want to watch Child of Chicago 7, and I want to watch, Sound- so I'm going to try to watch Sound of Metal before next weekend, I'll try to find it like online or something like that. But yeah, see, of those, yeah, Mank, I have no interest in seeing. And I do want to see Minari. So I might try to find Minari as well. Yeah. What else are we going to do? Um, there, that, That'll be our Oscar show. We'll just talk about the movies. Because, let's face it, Trial of the Chicago 7 is going to win. I fucking hope not. Well, okay, here's why I say this. Do you remember how the Academy votes? Yeah, they give something like... They give something like... So they do a list, right? They So the movie they think should win gets like uh, what eight nominees... Eight points. The one that they put in second place gets seven points. Da 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 da. All the way through the list. And then the one that gets the most cumulative points wins. Trial of the Chicago 7 is the green book of this year. It's a simple movie. It's a safe movie. It's a boomer movie. It's not going to get the most eight points, but it will be on the top of many people's lists and it will come out with the most at the end of it. See, and that's the reason why I I, I thought, unfortunately, Mank would win. Um, Like... I'm not denying Gary Oldman's performance. But the thing is, Trial of the Chicago 7 is not a bad movie. It's not too long. It keeps it condensed. And it keeps your attention. Whereas I hear Mank is just far too long. Okay. So, to play devil's advocate for that. but what? Okay, so what won last year for Best Picture? That was Parasite, right? Green Book. 
Oh, no. Green Book was last year. Parasite was the year before. I think you're inverse. Parasite was last year. Green Book was the year before. It Parasite was last year, 100%. So... Yeah, you're right. So last year, I think I want to what because of that. I think you're right because they gave their uncon like unconventional one last year. Because that's the other thing too is they do like they like to spice it up every year. So they gave their unconventional one last year. But I think see the trial. Uh, no, want to what because of like it's topical enough because of like civil unrest that they might because like they that's my big thing about the Swinney though with the Oscars is because they they want to be political but not too political and that's why i thought um uh mank would win like promising young woman's not going to win because they're a bunch of old men and they're like what we're not rapists when in fact hollywood has proven otherwise um that being said i highly recommend that movie that movie is so good uh especially for like a first-time director and like she's incredible in it um lead actress uh oh my god i'm blanking on names today (laughs) I think it's Carrie Mulligan. Is she the lead? It is in that Carrie one? Mulligan. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan, and it has like Bo Burnham in it, uh, and he's great. Um, yeah, I honestly, if if there's one that I say that you need to watch beforehand, I say Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal. Uh, I'm gonna try to watch Sound of Metal. I think I might watch it tonight. I'm gonna try to find it, and then Minari, just because I love Stephen Young, and it's a great story of you know coming to America, um, in an immigration story that you know I think they could do really well. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a deep dive in each of the movies except Mank next week. Yeah, I think that's a good good idea. Because, yeah, this year, like, I, I I think because of everything else been going on, like, I haven't really been paying attention to the Oscars. Like, I've watched enough of the stuff or paid attention enough. But, like, I don't know. Maybe this year, because it's a different year, just not as interested, if you will, in, like, being on top of it like we have always been. Fair enough. All right. You want to have some... I guess uh, this might be fun or this might be depressing. I'm entirely sure. Why not both? I think it's very topical for the time period. Well, I I collected some actual things that happen in real life, and I figured out if wrestling reacted to it or not. Okay. Oh, Speaking I see what you mean. Right. I forgot that's what you were doing. Yes. Okay. So we'll start off with an easy one. You know, a topic everybody could discuss. Nine Eleven. Did wrestling react to 9-11? They had to have. Like, in some capacity, they had to have acknowledged it. Are you saying, like... They were one of, actually, the first to acknowledge... Well, see, because wrestling lives in its own universe, right? So if something were to happen, they could decide to just ignore it because it would interfere with the storylines. But they were actually one of the first... uh, WWE was the first to actually put on, like, a tribute show and have all the wrestlers come out and, you know, America the Beautiful, wage the flag and all. So, yeah, they actually did react to it. Not in a storyline sense. They come out and acknowledge the uh, incident. Yeah, and it makes sense considering, like, still wrestling is... When I think about it, it's... It is... At least the WWE is, like, an America raw, raw, raw type of deal. And I feel like at least (laughs) they must have had some capacity. I mean, like... For Christ's sake, the one of their head places in Florida, right? Where they do all of like one of the big show reigns is Florida. Like for Christ's sake, of course. Well, they, they kind of have to because Florida is the only place in America right now that says wrestling is a an essential business. Right, but like even before that, wasn't it like one of their like staple reigns or something like that? Uh, one of them. I, their big house was New York for Madison Square Garden, but yeah, Florida was a close second. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, that's... Okay. 
Let's go back to the 90s and talk about O.J. Simpson. Did WWE do an, or WCW at that time do anything to react to the O.J. Simpson trial? No. Yes. Damn. But not in the way you'd think. They actually just had... Do you remember Simpson's car chase that lasted so long and took up <laughs> all the media coverage? They did a parody of that when uh, a wrestler was trying to escape, trying to defend his title. Oh, okay. That's pretty tame. I thought yeah, they would things considered. I thought they would have avoided it because I guess OJ because of OJ Simpson being like a football player, like they they tried to avoid that association. But interesting. Now this one, this one's interesting. Floyd's death. This happened very very recently. Fuck, I hope not. They did not. No, they they had the right state of mind to not even touch that. Yeah, cuz that was yeah. Good. I'm glad. The way you said it, too, you sounded so sad. I was like, oh, don't let this be true. Like, please don't let this be true. The Me Too movement. Yes. I feel I could have done something with the female wrestlers for that. Uh, No, they didn't acknowledge it, but they had their own controversy. They had a speaking out movement where you use that hashtag if you were a female wrestler and you'd call out the wrestlers that would harass you. And it did actually cause some legitimate firings and outs from the company. Okay, so like it was an offshoot of that, if you will, of like something came of it. Okay, cool. Something came of it, but it wasn't a, a writer in the back room making a storyline about it. Right, that's true. Actually, it was like a legit thing. Okay, that makes sense. Right, I got to think of it in that mindset, like an actual story. Okay. Yeah. The solar eclipse. Like, yeah, I think they would have. Don't they have, like, some wrestler that's, like, Mayan or something like that, that they have, like, his bit? Yeah, but surprisingly, no. They didn't actually do anything when it came to uh, the very rare solar eclipses, huh. which I thought was very surprising. I feel like they could have done something, that, yeah, with some of their character beats. I feel like that would have fit right in, but okay, cool. The Unabomber. Yeah, I can see them kissing it up. They did. They actually... Do you know of Kane? Yeah. Kane, before he became the big red monster, was the Unabomb. <laughs> okay. So that's one where they just flat out went for it. They didn't care about tackiness or... Okay. Yep. Bill Clinton's controversial affair. Oh, hell yeah. In the weirdest way possible... WrestleMania 10, there was an actor doing a Bill Clinton impression. Just anytime the camera went to him, he did a voice and, you know, just kind of did jabs here and there. But it didn't fit into anything. It was just a way to make it was a Saturday Night Live sketch, basically. To be topical. Weird. And a gathering like wait like good saturday night date like saturday night live sketch or like modern oh, saturday God, night no. live okay no the, these are the the 70s sketches that nobody remembers and nobody should oh damn trump saying he's going to be running for the office oh yeah no what because didn't they have trump on at some point yeah on wrestlemania i want to say it was 21 it was a hair versus hair match where Bobby Lashley and Umaga went up against each other and whoever won, their representative would have to shave their head bald. Of course, Vince McMahon lost and that was a whole thing. But um, 
and there have been Trump supporters in the past, but when he decided he was running for office, they decided to distance themselves because wrestling already has kind of an iffy reputation. Interesting. Huh. Buddy King. Oh, God. I think that was old enough where I think they would have. Nope. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> they, they they mentioned... The, the closest thing I could find was when Booker T was going for the WWE Championship against Triple H, and they brought him up, you know, because the whole thing was about race. But, um, yeah, it was never explicitly... Thank God. Mentioned okay. Or referenced. All of these, because I'm like, I'm trying to remember like the historical context too of the time, and I'm like, would have WWE been as culturally aware, uh, like to do that or woke, quote unquote? Uh, yeah. This last one will probably be an interesting story. I I guess I just gave it away, but the London bus bombings. How did they do that? So what had happened? Was there was a character, Hamasan, who was actually Italian in real life. Ooh, double yikes. Like, yeah, so already it's in poor taste. Uh, he was feuding with The Undertaker. Okay, so during this feud, the night before their big pay-per-view, Muhammad Hassan brings out his followers, who are all dressed up in those beige cargo pants, the turtleneck black sweaters, wearing black hoods. They come out from the crowd and start beating up The Undertaker. That was on Friday Night Smackdown. Saturday afternoon, the London bus bombings happened. And then at Sunday, the pay-per-view, Undertaker completely dominated Muhammad Hassan. Like, he never got any offense in. Those black-hooded figures never showed up again. The Undertaker takes him up to the stage, chokes him through the stage, and Muhammad Hassan, the actor, was fired. He did not want the gimmick. He was written in as this character, but WWE wanted to distance, the, distance themselves as much as possible from this coincidence. Weird. I wonder why. Oh yeah, God. right? You want to hear the, the little bit of irony? The, just the icing on the cake? Yeah. The pay-per-view was called The Great American Bash. Okay. Uh, wow. Just <laughs> the timing of that is right bafflingly piss poor and i mean there's no way okay so they, there's no way they could have necessarily no there's no way they could have known wait are you talking about the sunday night one or like the one that happened beforehand so what do you mean like the, the american bash like was that what it was called at like, the entire week Oh, no, so so here's the timeline. The hooded figures came out and attacked the Undertaker on Friday. The bombing happened on Sunday, or the bombing happened on Saturday. Pay-per-view happened on sad- Sunday. It's a three-day. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Just, wow. Alrighty. Hey, so that's, 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 that's this game. That was grim. It's resident. Very... The, uh, the only th- I couldn't find any fun stuff. Like the only times they really referenced like pop culture is because that pop culture figure made it a moment. Like Kevin Federline in WWE was because Kevin Federline paid WWE. Right, and I, I was about to say like what cultural events that stand as touchstones. Most are not feel good moments. There's like when Obama got elected. That is a great historical moment. Uh, but then there's few and far between. You know what I mean. They uh, actually did something when Obama... I was tempted to put this one on there, but when Obama and Hillary Clinton were fighting for the Democratic nomination, they had very bad caricatures of them 
come out in the middle of the ring and have a date. Like, if you want to take a look at the pictures, it's... So, Hillary Clinton comes out, you know, like, over-the-top peppy and dismisses anything about her husband. And the guy who plays Obama has very big ears and has a stutter. It's bad. Oh, wait, that sounds very bad. Like, very bad. I don't know how wrestling has survived this long, to be honest. It's baffling. Yeah. I, I, the more you talk about it, I was just about to say that. I was like, I don't, I don't know how they've been able to get away with doing that stuff. Because it's, it's, it's just offensive enough. Um, but I guess if you build yourself off of controversy and, and you know, extreme being extreme and like kind of being like you know we're the outsider sport while not being the outsider sport you know what i mean like it's it's something for a different i don't know group i guess you're going to try to bring in controversy while still trying to play it light because you know there's ratings and standards and also they appeal to the rednecks and the the rednecks and the worst common denominators so there's also that they have backing of people who are like it's just a joke it's fine yeah i didn't want to say that but yeah that's that's also it too you're definitely they do that's i've i've certainly distanced myself from wwe in the past little while because there's a new company called aew that's doing things a lot better <laughs> so i'm now that i'm kind of outside the bubble i could be like yeah oh there were there were times for sure yeah, and I think that's anything that you have, like anything that you have a fascination with, like the outside, like looking in later on down the line, you're like, you know, this is a little rough. This is uh, not as great as I remember. Uh, speaking of, there was one thing that happened on AEW that just screamed like, holy shit, this is a niche audience. So at the main event of a recent show, it was, I believe they called it a arcade mayhem match. Oh. Where four wrestlers were... Basically a street fight and surrounding the ring were different video game things. Like there were arcade machines, an air hockey table that somebody did in fact go through. Um, That's not what I was expecting. I thought like there's going to be like giant barrels from like Donkey Kong and like Shuriukens or Huriukens or whatever. So not that quite. Hadouken? Hadouken. Shuriukens. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Isn't there one that goes Shuriukens? Or am I just mixing that up? I have no idea. I haven't actually played that much Street Fighter. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but the point is, there's a couple things that happened in this show that just kind of screamed, huh, this is this is for uh, people that care about this shit. You talked about Chris Statlander a couple episodes ago, the alien female wrestler. Yep. So, um, this couple they're fighting, this couple in the match, they have a valet a woman that follows him to the match her name is penelope ford and she's getting involved in the match hurting orange cassidy throwing stuff at him and all of a sudden when they walk past those claw machines sorry was the guy's name orange cassidy orange cassidy his whole shtick is he doesn't try and when he does he's an incredible wrestler he is the smartest man in professional wrestling at this point because most of him is just he's laid back he wears sunglasses and every once in a while he'll just kind of put his thumb up lazily and then people will go that, that's wild. not the question drew that's it's not i don't give a fuck about his form orange cassidy why then orange because he was supposed to come up with a name and he just went 
Orange Cassidy. And he ran with it. Like his whole shtick okay. is being lazy. Oh, okay. That's his you know how sometimes build from North Carolina, weighing two hundred and thirty three pounds, Kenny Omega. He his ring announcement is hailing from wherever, weighing whatever, Orange Cassidy. Like there's no pomp and circumstance. His whole shtick is he's lazy. It's incredible. Anyway, <laughs> unless somebody like pisses him off, then he cares and he's actually a very good wrestler uh, but anyway so he's getting his ass kicked by Penelope Ford they're walking past these claw machines and then Chris Statlander uh, emerges from one of the machines pushes the glass into Penelope Ford and gets involved in the match okay sure then Chuck Taylor who's also his tag team partner's Orange Cassidy gets Kip Sabian in the ring and there's a sh- there's a spot that's been around since the 90s where they have this bag and inside this bag are some thumbtacks. They put the thumbtacks on the mat and they scoop slam somebody into it. It's been it's been around since the late 80s. Chuck Taylor grabbed a bag and everyone thought thumbtacks because we're wrestlers. We're we've we're, when we see a black bag, we think thumbtacks. He then pours it out and it's Legos. <laughs> It's so worse. That's so much worse. I feel like that's not, like I don't know, like thumbtacks. Like aside from like the the initial visceralness of it, like that when you you know what's gonna happen there, but like I don't know, there's something like unsuspecting about Lego. Yeah, you have no. I'm sure they're like gummies or something, or they're they're rigged somehow. But yeah, then he gets scoop slammed on top, and suddenly they're they're losing again. So. The third man, his name is Trent, who also ta- teams with Orange Cassidy and uh, Chuck Taylor. What a generic fucking character, Trent. Yep, just Trent. We see a white minivan pull up to the station or to the stadium. We see Trent get out and the crowd goes nuts. Crowd goes nuts. He then goes to the driver's side window and we hear an announcement team go, that's Chuck's mom. So Chuck leans over, mom gives him a peck on the cheek, and then he goes to wrestle in a hardcore match. His mom dropped him off for a hardcore match. One what I commit the like I commend the bit. It it was just the most ridiculous shit. And the entire time I'm like, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And it wasn't until after the match I'm like, Well, that was actually very weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But like, actually, why, you got to come up with content in some way. Actually, that reminds me of another bit. So that bag of thumbtacks, right? This isn't the only time that uh, it's been played around with. So there's th- there was this ongoing feud between Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. And their whole thing was like both of them are losing. Both of them are like 10 nothing. So they have a feud going where one person has to win. Who's going to get their first win in AEW? And their first match ends in a double disqualification. Their second one in a double countout, so they still haven't won. So then the boss says, I'm done. You guys are just going to go. There has to be a winner. No disqualification, no countout, nothing like that. Just referee, somebody's got to win this. So they have a hardcore match. Everything goes as planned. And then at one point, Brandon Cutler goes under the ring Grabs the black bag. Again, oh, they're going to do a thumbtack spot in this one. So here's some more context about Brandon Cutler's character. When he comes out, he comes out with paint on his face, 
kind of like Braveheart, where it's just like a line from the top left of the forehead to the bottom right of the cheek, red face paint. Uh, he comes out wearing a dragon mask. He's got this leather suit that looks very fantasy over the top. And he comes out with a 20-sided die. And he rolls the die. His whole gimmick is Dungeons and Dragons. And I think the die's weighted because every single time he rolls, it's like a low number and that's when he loses. It's actually pretty clever. So when he grabs this black bag, he starts pouring it out. We don't see thumbtacks. We see a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons dice. I was just about to say, is it like the 20-sided dice, like the pointy ones? Oh, Not just 20-sided. There were 4-sided, 10-sided, 6-sided. Like, it was all the different die you could use in the game. And Peter Avalon got backdropped into it. That's a pretty good bit. I know what? I, I can commend <laughs> that. God. I didn't think a Dungeons & Dragons gimmick would be that entertaining, but damn, it's so much fun to watch. There's a lot of, as it turns out, Dungeons & Dragons stuff that ter- works out as a good gimmick. As long as you commit to the bit, like you said. Yep, yep. Anyway, that was me going on a tirade of just how ridiculous... I, yeah, if I get into wrestling, there's a lot of shit that just stays somewhat in the middle of my head. Yeah, there's just a, like this never-ending supply. I, at this point, I'm just like, wonder what? You go. Just, just talk. <laughs> talk your heart out. This is the one time where you now have like get to record it and just sh- spread that knowledge, Drew. Spread that to the world. I'm, I'm on TikTok, and uh, I came across this video that said, um, kidnappers have you tied up in their basement, but they'll let you go because you just won't shut up. What are you talking about? And I'm just trying to think of what wrestling niche, what something that barely anybody knows or cares about, can I just talk for a minute on and not garner any, like, I don't want it to be interesting. I want it to be boring as hell. That's, yeah, that's a good point. There's, huh. I mean, mine would probably be Star Wars. Probably be the Ewok stories. Ooh, like that's a good. very specific part of Star Wars that no one likes to talk about. That was actually just also released on Disney Plus because uh, they come up with a sweet like <laughs> Samurai Jack guy who did the Clone Wars animated series, and then they also released the two Ewok movies, like Caravan of Courage and and what were the other one right now? The Christmas special. No, well, the, um, there's two Ewok movies. The Christmas special is a completely separate thing, but there's two Ewok movies that they end up cre- creating that is sets takes place. Now you got me started after Return of the Jedi, but it starts like Wicked the Ewok <laughs> and like these 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 humans. There's the Caravan of Courage, and I can't remember the other one, but they're both on there. It's like these two movies that you know they were trying to fit in for kids and stuff like that. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, sell merchandise. Um, that would be my thing. I would just start talking about those movies. Fair. <laughs> oh shit! What a that's a good way to end the yeah. episode before we get into too much of a tirade. We'll just cut it off there. No, <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> you don't need to know more. Watch those movies, I guess, if you want to. <laughs> I think we should actually do like a a minute video on our Facebook page of just us talking about this shit and say, "When did you cut out? How long could you last?" Oh god. We're trying, really to, we're trying to get viewers true, not literally have people <laughs> subscribe to our page. Well, I think if we say, when did you stop listening? They'll be like, huh, what is he talking Two seconds. That's fair. 
not even we we could create a minute but we could probably stop stop talking 10 seconds in because they're going to stop right around that time and have like the last 50 seconds just be complete silence it's like you made it what are you still doing here (laughs) oh wait you're letting me go oh okay sure yeah all right well okay that's really funny and i kind of want to do it (laughs) all right well stay check out our description for the facebook page so you can enjoy that nonsense oh shit I've been Drew. I've been Nick. See you next time. Have a good one. Oh, okay. I, I completely forgot to share this story, but um, I, I've been really into bagels lately. Like, uh, every time I've done my shift, I'll go to uh, Tim Hortons and grab myself a bagel because it's toasted with butter. And for some reason, I just I enjoy it. The Tim Hortons bagels are very good. They are very good. So I've um, I was feeling rather peckish one of these days. And I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to splurge. I'm going to get two. So I got uh, two toasted bagels with butter. Thank you. So I pay for it. I get them in the vehicle. And uh, I pull over because I unwrap it, and then I'm going to have it before I hit the road. And they were both two bottoms and two tops. So you know how the bottom of a bagel is kind of flatter, and it's a little rougher, and then the top is puffy? Yeah. So I opened up the two packages, and in one package, it was both of the top buns put together, and in the other, it was both of the bottom buns put together. That's honestly, that's great. So drive through was empty. I went back into the drive-thru. No, you didn't. And I asked if this was on purpose. <laughs> okay, that's not where I thought. I thought you were going to ask you, like, excuse me, I didn't get the other. I only got, like, half of my bagel. <laughs> like, I only got half of it. Where's the <laughs> other half? I thought they were going to play that card. But, yeah, that's actually just brilliant. You just combined both of those. Was it on purpose? It was absolutely on purpose, and I had a nice laugh with the lady in the, in the speaker. I just said, I just went around to try my bagels, and I noticed that in one package it was both of the bottom halves, and the other was both of the top. I just want to know if you did that on purpose. And before I even finish the sentence, I just hear an uproarious laughter from behind the woman. I mean, that's brilliant because they just give you. Because let's get, let's be honest, the bottom halves of it are the worst ones. So you just combine those together, you eat those ones first, and then you save the best for last. Yeah, exactly. So I just had a nice little laugh about it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know where I was going to go with that story in the first place. But I thought that is honestly kind of brilliant. Yeah, just a really slight is. joke. It's That is what a prank should be. Because I still have the entirety of the bagel that I purchased. Yeah, and did you, yeah, especially because I think you open the flat one first and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, best not be. Oh, there's the other two. But yeah. it, it kind of works because I'm like, sure, I'll eat the shitty ones first and have the great ones at the end. Yep. Yep. That's very satisfying. It's actually changed the way that I'm going to eat bagels now because that is the way to do it. Oh, absolutely. It's like those that screw up the top of the muffin and eat that first. Yes. I'm, I'm one of those people. Or like I eat the bottom half first. Yeah. And then save so the you best can enjoy the savory top. Yeah. Is anyone still here or do they give a shit? <laughs> See, we just did that test. <laughs> There you go.